He's an 18-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier. He's a former Bassmaster Angler of the Year. He is a six-time Bassmaster winner, a former Forestwood Cup champion. Godzilla ain't got nothing on him. This week, Greg Hackney joins me on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, especially my humpers. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Welcome into the 149th edition of Mercer. And this is a spectacular week. I hope you guys are having a great week because as this show goes to air, it is the night before goodness. That's right. It is the night before the Bassmaster Elite Series becomes part of our life. I am actually on my way. Well, I should be in Texas by the time you're watching this and um, be reunited with my Elite Series brethren and getting ready to kick off the season on Toledo Bend Reservoir. What a place to kick off the season. The big question is, will we see century belts? I I believe yes. I believe yes, we will. And if we don't there, then we're going to take a little jaunt down the road to the crown jewel of Texas Parks and Wildlife Lakes, and that is Lake Fork, where the question is, can anybody beat Lee Livesey? Twice we have been to Lake Fork, and twice he has defended his crown, both times earning a century belt. Um, which I, I know some people you're going to be saying, well, well, he did that at home. It's easy to do that at home. It's your home lake. Wrong. Look at the stats. Look at how tough it is to win at home. And this dude just keeps doing it. But it's going to be a incredible couple of weeks. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited that the Elite Series is back in my life. I'm excited that, that I get to stand on a stage and yell weights while growing men in funny jerseys hold up bass. It, it's a simple thing, but it's what brings me joy in life. And I hope it brings you guys some joy. So make sure you tune in on Bassmaster.com and all that jazz. FS1 is, of course, we're also on. Um, this next part is a weird part for me. Here, first of all, before I talk about it, I want to say one of the coolest things about this show is I always tell you guys the anglers get to take the, the conversation in whatever direction they want. I don't very rarely do I come into a conversation and I have notes of here's the direction we're going to go. Um, and the only time I will ever lean on driving the direction is if some anglers need that. But if the angler takes the show in a direction, it goes in the direction they choose to go. And one of the coolest little gifts that has come of this show, sure, we've had tomfoolery, sure, we've had laughter, sure, we've had um, just about every emotion there is, but one of the coolest things that's come from this show is incredibly motivational messages. Guest after guest tells about, you know, them against the world, basically. That's how they made it in pro fishing. It's really cool. Those stories are inspiring. Those stories are what we all celebrate. Somebody that took the big risk and it pays off. So I got thinking. I got thinking, well, you can't just have these guests on and tell them, tell their story if you don't take a risk. And trust me, I have taken many a risk in my life. 
But I decided to take a new risk because me and my kids were talking over the weekend. They were like, who would be the perfect guest? Who would be your dream guest to get to book on the podcast? And I thought of a lot of names. And there is a ton of anglers I want to have on here. There is a ton of people I want to have on here. In the comments, tell me who you'd like to see on here. But on top of that, I got thinking, like, who should be on here? I mean, you want it to be an angler. But you want it to be an angler with such, like, uh, this would be easy to throw a softball out and be like, oh, I, I guessed this guy. And guess what? I got them on. They're, it's not a real reach. But I am reaching because that's what makes this fun. I mean, a little risk is fun, but when somebody just takes them from between their legs and lays them on the table, that's what is really fun. And I'm about to do that. Because here's my dream guest. He has defended our sport and put our sport in front of millions, if not billions of people, when he had no reason to do it. He is one of the great, superheroes of our sport so to speak but people don't stop to think it because he loves our sport enough that he went out of his way to find a way to put our sport in front of people without even knowing he probably even was doing it it's just what he loves to do he is an incredibly successful he's an incredibly successful individual in everything he's literally ever tried whether it be through sports entertainment, whether it be through movies, whether it be through industry, whether it be through leg leagues. I can do that better. I can do that better. Let me try that again. Whether it be through sports entertainment, whether it be through movies, whether it be through industry, whether it be through leagues, he has always become successful. And that's why I'm going to take the risk to throw it out there. Who I'd like to book on this show and who I'd like you guys to help me book on this show. Finally, The Rock has made an appearance on Mercer. If you smell, you, you know how it goes. I don't want to get too cheesy. Although I am the king of Formage. But I need your help. Let's book The Rock. Book the rock on Mercer. Let's let's do it. Rock on Mercer. Hashtag rock on Mercer. Let's get it trending. Let's do something. And hey, I, like I said, this may fall flat on my face. None of you may respond to this, but I sure hope you do. This may take weeks. This may take months. This may take years. This may take decades. But I will not stop trying to book the rock on Mercer. Let's make it happen, people. Let's go out there. and I mean, rock. If you, if somehow, if somehow the people's champion got an opportunity to see this, if somehow this got in front of you, come on on. We'll talk about fishing. I mean, you, you do lots of other stuff. Why not do this stuff? Rock on Mercer. Hashtag rock on Mercer. All you need is some decent Wi-Fi and a little bit of your time. And you can change the, the future of this show. You can change. You can make a dream come true. You can prove to the world that although I may be balding, although I may have a marvelous beard that is salt and pepper adorned, I can make a dream come true. And you can make it come true by coming on this show. So hashtag rock 
on Mercer, make an appearance on this podcast. Please rock. You can do it. All right, I'm done groveling, but I probably will more in the future. Let's make it happen, people. If you know anyone, tag The Rock in everything. Use hashtag RockOnMercer. And let's, let's see if we can, if we can do this. I, I, I have faith in this community. But does this community have faith in me? Well, we'll find out. So hopefully The Rock comes on this podcast at some point and we get to have a nice conversation about, about fishing and about all, all things, all things good, all things good. You're always educational when The Rock is in your life. But we're going to have a good fishing conversation here this week because we have him. Godzilla ain't got nothing on our guest this week. And with us going to Toledo Bend, I'm going to tell you, perfect timing because he may be a big factor in this Texas swing. From Gonzales, Louisiana, the hack attack, Greg Hackney. Greg Hackney, how are you this evening? I'm great. It's good. It's good. What are you up to? Like, what is this time of year like for you? I mean, you've done this. What happened? You told me you had your phone on Do Not Disturb. Oh, it, touching buttons. It, yeah, it uh, it came up that you were recording, so I had to approve that this I could be recorded. Oh, okay. Well, our show's official now. Then, okay. Um, what well, what is this time of year like for you? I mean, you th- this isn't new for you, but where's your head at going into the season? Uh, you know, this is always kind of that time of the year when we're rushed to get everything done. We we started later this year, which I really like, but it's still going to come right down to the end before I get everything I need to get the year started. I mean, we're a week out, and I probably won't finish everything. My boat's being wrapped as as we speak, and uh, hopefully my truck will be wrapped the first part of the week. Um, I've already used a boat and broken in. All that's good, but it, it doesn't matter. We could have started in April. And, and everything would have been done the week before we leave. You know, that's just kind of the way it goes. But um, head's good. You know, I fished. I didn't fish. or Typically, I fish a lot in January. I didn't this year because we were not starting in, uh, you know, till late February. So I realistically just caught my first bass of 2024 Monday. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So I fished. I fished Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, filmed a protein journal this week. And, uh, I can still catch one. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. It would have been a lot worse if it was the other direction. I'm always weird with, there's part of me as a fan that I miss that we don't start with the classic. Like those years when we started with the classic. But as an angler, do you like not starting with the classic, getting a few events out of the way? So I, I'll be honest with you about that. The angler side of me, likes the opportunity to kind of knock the rust off a little bit, you know, tweak your equipment, make sure everything's working. But the fan side of me, I, I would think we need to start every season with the biggest event of the, of ever, you know? Yeah. So the only thing, you know, like there were a lot of those first classics, you know, where it snowed and the weather was so bad or whatever, but I, I still think it's probably best to start the classic was the tournament that jump started the season. Yeah. You know, er- everybody had cabin fever. We roll out with the Bassmaster Classic. We knock it out of the park. 
You know, there's yeah. always a winner. There's always losers. But I, as a fan, I'm with you on the classic. I, I enjoyed the classic being the first tournament of the year. Yeah, when they switched it, I found it weird, you know, because it went from being the last event of the season. I found it weird, but then it was like that. There's a specialness of everybody's new raps being released that week. There's just a, I don't think we'll ever go back. I mean, it, it, it's a competitive world, and I don't think there's any way Bass is going to be like, well, we'll give MLF those first few months, and we'll just lay back. So I don't think it'll ever change, but there's part of me that that misses that. Uh, you know, I think there's an outside chance that the classic could be the first. I could see them going back to that. I mean, we, you, you know, realistically, you just we would just start earlier. Man, I mean, there's still a lot of great venues in the deep south that we've not tapped into, or we've not been in a while. That you know, the classic could be the first week of February. You, you know what I mean? Like right here in the great state of Louisiana. I, I know some great places that, uh, you know, it might be cold, but it still would be warmer than the rest of the country, you know? Yeah. It would only seem um, co yeah, cold to you that. guys. I mean, it would seem yeah. warm to everybody else from the rest of the country, but cold to you guys. But, but, um, I, but, I, but I'm on the fence on that deal because I, as, like I said, as a competitor in the classic, it is nice to get all your equipment loaded and, uh, you know, just get everything tweaked out. Maybe, you know, a little batting practice, a couple of leaps <laughs> before the classic, you know, to get you kind of in the groove. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm ready to get started. I'll be honest with you. I do think the first event of the year for uh, the the Open last week at Okeechobee, it, they knocked it out of the park. You know, they broke, I don't know, a couple one-day records, the all-time record. So, if that's the way the year is going to be, it's going to be pretty exciting this year. I like to listen to you and I like listening to you on that live commentary. Do you enjoy doing that? Uh, I do to some extent. I, I will be honest with you, man. It's Okeechobee, one of my favorite lakes in the country. <laughs> it's kind of hard to sit on the sidelines and watch that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I do. You, Tommy Sanders is a legend. So, so good. we, so good and has been so good for so many years. So, you know, Ronnie, he's working on the legend. Tommy, is a legend and has been for a long time. So it's cool to sit there with Tommy. Dude, Tommy's got the best voice in bass fishing. Like when he's just reading off commercials and all, like when we go into break and, and he's, you know, telling about the basketball games coming up, whatever, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty crazy to watch him do that. Like it's an art. Oh, it, it really is. And it, um, I, I'm, when I first started, I heard people say to me about Tommy and I obviously was a fan of Tommy, but to watch him too. Like when you hear the producer and they're like, we need a 29 second read. Dude, it isn't 30. It isn't 28. It is 29 seconds and it is gold. There's like, it, Tommy is so gifted. I think he's one of those dudes who's so gifted. People don't give him credit because it just seems so effortless with him. It And that's the, that's the scary thing. It is effortless with Tommy. Like he just, like it'd be Mike would count us down 15, 14 Tommy's like, and then he goes, you need to read this. And you have 15 seconds and he can make it just, he could time it where it would work out just perfect. And we would go away at zero. I'm like, wow. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty crazy. Tommy's incredible. He really is. And I agree with you about his voice. And, and I've always said, I think him and Zona, like I list li literally, if they said, okay, Monday night football is now going to be hosted by Zona and Tommy. I'm all in like this screw, oh, and I yeah. like Monday night football and I yeah. like 
but I just think that they could do anything together. They are really, and it's weird because I think because they're part of our sport, people don't look at them like that. But I think when those two dudes step away, people are going to realize how much that is missing from the broadcast. And and the thing about it is they gel with one another. Mm-hmm. Like there's enough contrast, there's enough difference. They're just they fit together like a puzzle. It's pretty strange yeah. how how well they work together. You ever experienced any dark, Tommy? Yeah, it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so it is my favorite, Tommy. I mean, when I first started. Me oh, and you can't hang out with Mark Zona unless you have to. Everyone who hangs out with Mark Zona has a little bit of darkness. That's the only way you can survive that. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. You guys together have, I mean, we talked about it the last time we did a podcast, but when you and Zona get together, it's a whole yeah, different level of fun. Yeah, it's a bit of darkness. <laughs> he has a very <laughs> unique knack of being able to pull darkness from people that so I've been around him when he pulled darkness from people that I'd been around a lot. And I had, I was like, Oh wow. No, I no idea. They had that. Yeah. He's a special individual in his own way. <laughs> hey, speaking of special individuals, I, I have a bone to pick with you because okay. I mean, this, this crappy podcast that I do every week, it doesn't offer a lot to the world, but what I do say is we're going to be honest. And last time we talked, I asked you about the Sasquatch, and you said you did not believe. And then, lo and behold, much to my chagrin, I show up to the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, and I see the placard sitting right there, people auctioning off the opportunity to go not just Sasquatch hunting, nighttime Sasquatch hunting with Greg Hackney. Are you selling a lie to the Hall of Fame, or were you lying to me? No. So the deal was I told you the last time, like, I wanted to believe, but I just felt like if it was out there, someone would have seen it. Like someone would have a little more proof. I think there's a better chance of the Yeti being real than the Sasquatch. More remote area, but pretty much North America now has been, you know, I don't care if you're in Canada or Texas or where you're at. Like, there's a lot of folks out there. There's a lot of people looking. Did Sasquatch once exist? I would say 100%. So basically what we're going to do at night is like a, a snipe. You, so you probably don't being from your part of the country. You pro, do you have any, do you know anything about a snipe? Hunt? <laughs> um, I've seen them in movies. I mean, in Canada, we don't have anything like that. I mean, <laughs> we just say, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So there, the, so it'll be kind of a, a snipe hunt on steroids. Really? I mean, if the Sasquatch is out there, we'll find it. We may see some black bears. We probably see some pigs. Um, and hopefully we see a Sasquatch. So what, like, are you using, like, night vision goggles and stuff? Like, is that how you... Therm- thermal. Thermal. Yeah. You just possess such items like that, that you uh-huh. own thermal goggles? Like, how many sets? So there, there, there's a reason that every time I come to Canada, Dave, they, I have to be, like, low profile i hear you (laughs) i've technically been banned in canada but i still go on occasion yeah (laughs) but i just i just have to slip in and out you know what i mean i can't go with everybody knowing i'm there 
our mutual friend Corey Johnston on this very podcast said that you're coming to Canada and going hunting with him. Is this true? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I might have been a couple cocktails in when that conversation I was there for that conversation. It's one of those deals where I'm like I might have had one or two too many. But yeah, <laughs> I with Corey Johnston, I'll go to Canada. Like if you anybody that I would want as my wingman to go to Canada, it would be Corey Johnston. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was a guy that I, I do have an affection for. Like he like him and I especially let's say maybe 25 years ago we could have really hung out <laughs> he he also has a darkness and and I, I was really happy a couple weeks ago he was on this show and a little of that darkness came out because i'm always pushing him because dude people just want you guys to be real i mean the more the more real you are the more they like it and oh, yeah, he has a really real side <laughs> yes very real <laughs> Well, I live like 30 minutes from him. So if you do come to Canada, we'll uh we'll have to hook up and Yeah, so we'll uh we'll make a we'll make it a team sport. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. This season, anything at this point in your career, is there anything in the off season, you know, you'll hear a lot of younger anglers be like, I gotta work on this or I gotta do this. do, do you do any of that sort of stuff? Oh, no. I, I pretty much during the off season is my reset time. You know what I mean? I, I think it's good for me to kind of get away from fishing, you know? So I, I don't like, it's not that I don't think about it, but I, I do like completely, I mean, realistically, I from let's just call it the end of October, let's say Halloween till, you know, a couple, really January the 1st. Now, I so I, one thing that does happen to me every year, I don't know why, but like, let's just say December the 31st, I'm not even thought about bass, but you know what I mean? Like, and I wake up on New Year's Day and I feel like I got things to do. It's like that every year and I can't help it. I did not want to do that this year, but still, that's when I really, my mind starts to reset and I start thinking fishing. Like, you know what? Vacation time's over. It's time to get back, you know, uh, real, um, but yeah, I, I I like that opportunity during all. I'm I'm glad we have an off season. Okay. Yeah. You know, we're just like any other sport. I think it's good to reset. And here's my deal. I I want to. I like to start the season wanting to start the season, if that makes sense. And I'm afraid if I fished all winter long, and we and I can here. You know what I mean? Like I live in a climate that we can fish 365 days a year. It's not that I can't go. But I just think it makes me hungry, and I'm you know geeked up to go you know what i mean like ready for the season um now again i, pr I probably you know realistically i wanted to fish a week or two sooner than i did this year but i mean still like i went out there and you know what is like riding a bicycle it didn't take me long i was right back you know um and it's i think being away from it so long and like man getting in that boat like why broke my boat in i guess maybe a maybe 10 days ago, let's say, um, you know, I put a couple out, put three hours on it or whatever and ran it. It was just, and even that was good to be back. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, you know, here's the deal with me. Like I've totally been away from it for three or four months, been away from the boat, been away from the fishing, been away from all parts of it and to crawl in that boat. And, and it's just about affected me. I can remember like every year it affects me like that crawling in that boat. And I'm like, wow, I'm right where I'm supposed to be at. 
And, you know, this will be – so this is my 20th year at Bath, and this will be my 25th year as a professional. Wow. I mean, I mean that's only half the time that Rick Klein, you know, he's 50 years, but but still, 25 years is a long time to do anything. You know what I mean? I, I guess, you know. But yeah. the crazy thing is – if you if you ask me how long it's been, how long does it feel like it's been? I'd say maybe ten. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's been twenty five, but it it feels like it's been. I, I can't even honestly say it feels like. I could say it feels like it's been five. Yeah, you know, it just goes so fast. Like it's crazy that it's been that long. You know, how did do, that happen? Do yeah. you find as you age, it seems to be speeding up? I do, and I yeah. I, I think there's. There's science. There's some science behind that. The reason, the more knowledge you retain, or you know, the experiences you retain, it makes it feel like it goes faster. I can't remember. I read this somewhere that the reason that you know, as you get older, it seems like everything moves faster. Yeah, uh, and it's something about the experiences you've had, or but yeah, but that's crazy. And the thing, Clint, it's been fifty. Yeah, he, he's. It's his 50th season. It's nuts. I mean, he's 77, it's, dude. He's going to be 78 before this season's done. Yeah, it is it is nuts. And uh, like when we were doing the live the other day, and um, um, dang, what, somebody's been out there longer. Has somebody been out there longer than that? No. Is somebody fishing? I was thinking they said somebody had been uh, – I don't know who. Oh, I know what it was. So Guy Aker's 84, but I think he started a lot later because he okay. won his first event at like 51. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, Texas Invitational, and he was like 51. But he was fishing in the open. He's uh, 84? And he's 84 years old. And, you know, honestly, I, he doesn't look 84, you know. That's incredible. I would have ne- I would have never put him at 84. 80. Yeah, that, that was one of the things they said that he was 84 years old. Wow. Still, still got them black slacks on. Looks like Starched up. <laughs> so the deal was when I, I remember this, like, so when I first started, like, my rookie seasons, you know, that everybody referred to him as the senator because he's dressed like a senator. <laughs> he is the senator. He is uh, the senator. He hasn't changed at all, though. Like, I ran into him in the airport a few years ago and he was going to do, I mean, we were both crossing paths, going to do in stores somewhere. And, and literally he's the same dude. I grew up watching. Like to me, he doesn't, the way he acts and every it's, it's, do you think an 84 year old Greg Hackney's going to be out there? No, I don't think there'll be an 84 year old Greg Hackney. <laughs> I probably have not treated my body quite as well as guy. You know what I mean? Like, my body, like maybe the first 25 years, like back in the time when me and Corey could have really hung out together, like I was treating my body like a carnival ride. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> woo! Woo! <laughs> a lot of... <laughs> carnival rides down. are fun, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah they a were, lot it, of was fun. A, it, was, it was a fun time. I've had... That, so that's the deal. I have had a lot of fun, you know, so... Well, that's what life's all about. Isn't it... Oh, yeah weird to you like when you talk about rick clun i mean and i know you've told this story many times but that is the man before you even knew what his name was that is the dude that inspired you to do this and you still still get a chance to compete against him like 
that, yeah, that's crazy. Now, what's the chance? So think about this. He had such a huge impact on my career. Or honestly, he was the steering factor in me even doing this. And he's fifty years. So, so I'm ten when I watch him win the classic in '84, and I'm like, he. So he he's on his. He's been fishing as many years as I've been alive. <laughs> so he. So think about this now. So. The year I was born, he started his career at Bath. Wow. Think about that. That was his first – his rookie season was the year I was born. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. It yeah, is not crazy. It's cra- – so here's what the thing that gets me what's so crazy about it is that he loves it that much. So much. I think more. So much. Like, I think yeah. – and he's admitted that to me. Me and him have been talking a lot this offseason, and it's really cool because it's, I mean, it's freaking Rick Clun. I mean, what, no matter, and you learn so much from talking to him, but he, I feel, is more, in the last five years, he's been more engaged and more, and not just because he had a few victories, but it's just like he's re-energized, and I don't know if it's like he knows that it can only last so long, you know what I mean? Maybe he's absorbing it more. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the split did a lot of things for a lot of different people. But for him, I felt like Rick went from fishing for himself for the most part. You know what I mean? I don't think he was ushering in rookies and stuff. I figure he thought that was other people's jobs. I mean, but you watch how much time he spends with rookies and different people. <clears throat> like, it's really like a re. I mean, he's freaking starting a podcast, dude. He's, re- he's 77 he's re- years old and he's starting a podcast. <laughs> I, I think some of the things with the split was, I, I, and I, I might be wrong about this, but I, I think maybe it was some of them he felt like he needed to step up during that yeah. period of time. Does that make sense? Like a hundred percent, you know, like not that he was the father of math, but you know what I mean? Like he needed to be, <laughs> he did need to be a role model during that. During yeah. Split. You know, I think he felt that way and I, I can see that. The one thing that has really, and this seems to me more since the split, is that he's more approachable now than he's ever been. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he like, even since I was a rookie, he would talk, you know, occasionally he would speak to me, whatever. But he does seem more approachable now. You know what I mean? And he, he visits more and he, you know, tells stories and, you know, I, uh, but he has seemed to have been more that way since that period yeah. of time it's wild <clears throat> being that he was your idol when when he won in 2016 i remember who was standing on the stage beside him at that moment and it was you you finished second in that and i know you want to win every event but was that one yeah. of the easiest losses no. to take no no it was a hard one and <laughs> i'll tell you why it doesn't matter you know here's the deal i'm a competitor and I went out the last day thinking I did have a shot to beat him. And, you know, I started off, my first bite was a six-pounder, and I was like, <laughs> I got beat in that tournament. You know what I mean? Like, and so it, it hurts because I've won events where I didn't fish clean. Man, that week I had a great game plan. I thought that place, I had run out of fish there before. I had fished in a bunch of different areas because I, I wouldn't own a lot, if that makes sense. 
I fish a different area of the lake every day because in the past I had been, you know, I'd start off real strong and then run out of fish. And so I even practiced for that, for that event that way. And uh, I was like, dang, I'd fished so clean all week. I lost one fish swimming a jig. I remember it, but it, it wouldn't have won. But I mean, man, I felt like all oh, my moves were right. Like I, you know, I felt like there was a part of the lake going to clear up. I never practiced there. I rolled in there on the third day. My first fish was like almost an eight pounder. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, man, I am gelling in this deal. And I ran down Scrog. I think Scroggins was leading. And I, and I, and I remember when I weighed in that day, it was before Clun weighed in the giant bag. I weighed in, I was leading and I passed Scroggins. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a chance. Like I'll have a legit shot the last day. Went in and he weighs in whatever. 47 pounds i can't remember what it was <laughs> but that ginormous bag and uh, and then he tells the story that you know he comes in you know the fish that, that here's the thing that like a lot of people don't know i was paying attention but so he had a giant bag of fish and he comes in early and catches an eight pounder at the boat ramp and if he does not catch that eight pounder at the boat ramp i win that was the fish that won the tournament for him it wasn't a place where he caught all his fish when he came in the third day early, he caught an eight pounder fishing around the ramp, waiting to check in. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I, mean, I did. I you don't you don't forget when you get beat, you don't forget those things. Yeah, but that was the <laughs> and I was like, man, what is the chances of that? You, you know what I mean? It, th there's a great chance of him catching a bass at you know check in whatever, but an eight pounder. I don't know what to fit, but I was like, God, if he don't catch that fish, I win. <laughs> But, and here's the deal, what, whatever, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still his biggest fan, but I'm also a competitor and I was not rooting for him that day. I was rooting for me. <laughs> it is, is what it is. You know, I'm just being honest. In a situation like that, do, do you, do you believe like he was meant to win or you, are you just so like a lot? I, so I, I believe there is some of that. And I know you, I, I feel like the individual makes that happen. Yeah, but I do feel like that because I'll be honest with you. It's like the classic and you can pull a lot of guys that have been to a bunch of classics and tell you the same. It's almost to some extent, like the winner of the classic was picked before you get there and he can't be beat. And you see that, how it works out. You, you know what I mean? Like how the tournament works out and it's, and I've, I've been to a bunch of classics and it's themed like that. And, and I'm not going to say it seemed like that in all of them, but in a bunch of them, it was like, there was nothing you could do. You, you know what I mean? I could go out there and fish clean, whatever. But it was almost like the winner was picked. More so, I, it almost feels like that more so in the classic than any other event. You know you know what I mean? Like, really? I don't know why. But you can ask other people that, and they'll tell you, like other guys that I talk to or whatever. It's almost yeah. like, you, you know what I mean? It's like, I'll even go back to my first classic when Ike and Ellie won in 03. Gary Klein should have won that classic. He was on the best fish. He just missed a couple opportunities, and it was like he fished pretty good, but it was almost like Iconelli was meant to win. And then Iconelli tells that story afterwards that if he didn't win that classic, he probably wouldn't done. be fishing anymore. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was almost like he was meant to win that classic. Yeah. You know? And Gary Klein was never meant to win one. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not saying that negatively towards him. I'm just saying no. it's 
you know, there's been a lot of great fishermen out there that hadn't won the classic, you know, I, I don't know. You can't explain. It's not that they weren't capable. They, they might've been better than most of the guys in the classic, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. It, it but it does seem like that, you know? Yeah. And there's definitely, I mean, I, I, go ahead. And there's definitely tournaments you see that, where you said in that St. John's River tournament, you said, I fished clean. I did my job. I felt like I won that tournament. But I'm sure you've won tournaments where you're like, it, it wasn't clean. I, things went wrong, but it, it just was meant to happen. It is. It's it's kind of that way because I that was, I think that's what probably wasn't that he won or it wouldn't have mattered who, who beat me. But the deal was, I was like, that was a tournament I was really disappointed in because I was like, wow. That one time, the whole week went perfect. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there was yeah. nothing I could do. I did all I could. It's not, very few times does that ever happen because I always, even in terms I went, like I would leave that tournament that I that I'd won the event and be like, dang, I could have really blown it out if I'd. Have, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to win by more, and uh, but not when I was like, I'm like, wow, I couldn't have done any better. You know, I did all I could do. Even made some crazy, like took some chance. You know what I mean? Like that whole deal of me running across the lake on the third day. I thought that was what sealed the tournament. Like I even felt like on the third day when I made that move, because it was a, you know, basically it was an area that had been good every time we'd been there, but that year it was dirty. And it seemed like it was cleaning up. The wind changed to the other side of the lake. And I rolled over there and there was nobody over there. And like, like I said, like my first or second bite was an eight pound, almost an eight pounder. And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> wow. But bass tournaments will disappoint you. Fishing BASS, I will tell you this, you will leave more times disappointed than you leave happy. <laughs> that's, that's the way. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I feel like that one, and it's weird. Me and Clun talked about it earlier this year. I feel like that one he was meant to win because if you look how history plays out, so he goes and wins in 2019, which is the first event after the split. Now you imagine if he doesn't win in 16, he hadn't won for basically a decade up to that point. So if he doesn't win in 16 and he goes and wins the first one after the split, everybody's going to say, well, Rick only won because all the hammers left. Right. You know what I mean? When you look at right. it, 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 there is, right. it's wild when you look at stuff like that, how it all yeah. shook out. The classic seems to be something you're very focused on, though, no? You know, I am. I, I went for the first time and scouted. I didn't fish, but I did pre, you know, scout a few days uh, for the classic. And that's the first time. And I think the main reason I did that, I just wanted it fresh on my mind. I wanted, like, I didn't want it to be, you know, I don't know however long it's been since we've been there, maybe 18 maybe yeah right so 17 18 i don't know 17 I can't remember. or 18 yeah yeah and so it had been a while and i just wanted to refresh myself with it and i also wanted just the opportunity to ride the entire lake and just visually look at it uh i mean i did some graphing or whatever but not a lot mostly what i done was just like i wanted to be able to when we go back there to practice i want to be able to get around quickly i wanted to be real efficient and also, if any type of weather situation, because, I, you know, who knows what the weather will be like. I just wanted to be, to feel like I, 
something would click in my mind that I saw while I was there in December that, you know, might, you know, I want to go that way. You know, I, you know, Grand's a good lake and you win anywhere on it. And, uh, but I had never looked at all of it. It's funny as many times we've been there because when you're practicing, it's hard for me to like just to spend a few hours and ride the whole lake. Does yeah. that make sense? You feel like you got to practice. It'll work. You know, you know what I mean? Like fish and, and do some of that. So you can't cover as much water. So, uh, there's actually a lot of it I had never seen before. And, uh, and regardless, even if I use it or whatever, but it's, it's, it's kind of a confidence deal just to be there. Let me tell you a crazy thing. So I was there, I got there on a Friday and then on Saturday morning, I went my second day was Saturday morning. What was crazy. I put in at the Wolf Creek boat ramp on Saturday morning and was the only boat and truck that put in there that day on a Saturday, on a Saturday. Never saw another bass. I saw a bass fisherman on the trailer, pulling his boat on the trailer. Never saw another bass fisherman on the lake. Uh, did it, it ended up like it went one place and saw a, a couple crappie fishermen. And uh, I saw more, there were more duck hunters on the lake than there were fishermen. And it really wouldn't, have, it was a front went through that day, but it was like 55. You know, it wouldn't, you know, it got to like 55. It wasn't cold. And I was like, that was crazy. When I come back in uh, that Saturday afternoon and the parking lot is completely empty at Wolf Creek. I'm like, this is crazy. I had the whole lake to myself. Then I got in the truck and drove around and uh, yeah, just, you know, it, it was good to do. You know what I mean? I, I just felt like it was something I needed to do. You know, I've never been big on pre-fishing because I like to be fresh. If that makes sense. Like I don't, I've never liked to have any preconceived notions. I just like to show up and fish whatever the current conditions are. You know, I was going to Toledo for our first event. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, just wait. I mean, I've been there before. I know a lot about the lake. And uh, I was like, just wait and see what the weather brings, you know? And the crazy thing is, had I went and pre-fished, the lake's come up three or four feet from what it was, what it would have been if I had a pre-fished. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, there you go. There's your answer. You know, you didn't. But the thing about Grand is different from that. Grand doesn't fluctuate in the same way as Toledo. It's a different body animal completely. It was good to see stuff that was dry, and it was good to see stuff that was in the water. Yeah. In case that happens, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to the season. I, you know, here's the deal. <clears throat> After fishing this long, the, this season is totally different from, so the first thing in 25 years of bass or professional bass fishing, or the first couple of years of me just trying to be a professional bass fisherman, this is at least a month. If in, uh, in some cases, almost two months later, than I've ever started before in 25 years. Okay. So that's different. I think out of the 25 years, I will tell you that 22, maybe even 23 of those years, I started in Florida. Yeah. We always started in Florida, you know, so this year is totally different uh, in that we're, you know, starting in a different part of the country. I like that just to kind of change it up a little bit and throw everybody a curveball. Uh, we're going to Louisiana then we're going to Texas. And then the classic. Then we're going to Florida in April. 
totally different. Probably be more of a post-spawn deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's more after the spawn. We always go to Florida during the spawn. So that'll be totally different. I mean, we're going to Smith Lake in the middle of the summertime, basically. In Alabama, yeah. it'll be a, the last week of June in Alabama will be 100 degrees, I would think, unless, you know, something happens. I mean, that's crazy. I like that. I don't think it'll be a big weight, weight tournament. I, there's a lot of unknowns. So this whole season, you know, we got some stuff that's the same, um, but it's really different. You know, so it's fun. You know, it's it's going to be a fun. I say fun. It could be <laughs> you want to be on the right end of the fun, but it uh, but it looks fun. You know, on the outside looking in right now. At least it's different. different. It's not predictable. You know, like, yeah, it's like, not predictable. And I love the St. John's River. I literally there's a part of me that like I'm going to love Toledo Bend, but there's going to be a part of me that like Palatka is like where we kick it off, and we have so much. So to be part of me that's like I was down in Florida last week with my family and I was like it's weird I'm not gonna be back here till April like it just right. seems weird but I do like the fact that it's not gonna be the same again I mean it's 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 gonna be totally different how how do you think those tournaments will be like I mean Toledo Bend and Fork there's a lot of people saying we could smash some records yeah, I you know it's going to be kind of depend. You know, we there's we we got some weather coming. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I will tell you this. You know, I know there was another tournament on Toledo. You know, whatever a week or so ago, yeah. they did not highlight Toledo. Toledo is much better. I, their numbers were great. I get it. They caught a lot of quality fish. Toledo's full of giants. Yeah. No, I I think they missed a great opportunity, honestly, to showcase the lake. Instead of fishing for numbers, fishing for five, I think you would have seen a, like, there's potential there for a 38 to 40-pound bag. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. This is a funny thing about Toledo. It's typically the big, the weights are bigger there when it's colder. Once those fish kind of disperse and start to, you know, move. And uh, I will tell you, it was 75 there yesterday. I think it's going to be 75 there again tomorrow, but then we got some cold fronts coming. So I don't know. And they, they call for, you know, we, so we've had 14 inches of rain the last couple of rains we've had in the combined in the two. And then I think they're calling Saturday for that part of the country, like in here too, at my house to get two inches. So wow. the lake's already bumped up some. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it'll be great. I don't care if they, you know, front facing sonar, how you're fishing, the fishing's going to be great. We're we're gonna hit good fishing on the head. Will it take you know 120 pounds to win? I don't know. Does it have that potential? Yes. It's probably has as many eight to twelve pounders in it right now as it's ever had. You know, I, I would I would think the big bass would run ten pounds or bigger every day. You know, because our guys oh. are gonna fish for freaking hammers, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's what I like. There's gonna be guys throwing freaking glide baits and big swim baits, and you, you know what I mean, like. Not for fishing for five or six bites a day and catching five, eight pounders. There's that potential there for it. They, they, they're living there right now. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I don't know about the weather because I looked at the extended forecast and like I said, it's going to be, it's warm now, really warm this week. Uh, then it's going to get cold, you know, like get down around freezing a couple nights, then warm back up a little next week before we get there and then be cold and rainy during our practice. So 
you know, who knows? But it's Toledo, and it'll be good. It's Texas. There'll be some big bug-eyed bass waiting in. And I'm not talking about five and six pounders either. Now I'm talking about eight, nine, ten, eleven pounders. You know, it. Uh, that's what I and I know somebody's going to say, well, of course you're saying that you work for bass. This is not a slight on MLF or anything, but that's why I've always liked the five fish li- limit to me because we talked about Palatka. I've always said, like, if you look at those clun victories or some of those home run derbies we've had there, those tournaments end up being not won by Rick Clun, not not in second place. You, you know, Cliff, uh, uh, oh, gosh, this is horrible. I got to announce the guy. In That's horrible. That is so bad. Oh, I'm, I'm so going to research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways, you know what? That birthday party was a hell of a party. Oh, it was a party. We, I did. I did have a little party before this. But it, that tournament ends up getting win, won. Somebody catching three pounders on shell bed, if it's not, you know what I mean? If it's every fish counts. The As a fan, I love the whole ability to watch, you know, somebody make those adjustments to catch the big bite. You know, like. So, so my deal with bass fishing is I don't need a guy to catch one every five minutes. No. I, you, you know what I mean? I don't, when I watch football, I don't need them to score a touchdown every five minutes. I, it may be the reason I don't like basketball because they score too much. You know what I mean? I like, I, I'm like as much about the defense as I am the offense. Um, so I had the opportunity to commentate the last Bassmaster Open when the guy set the record. You know, Scott only caught four big ones. The That's it, four. I'm not sure his bass number was like maybe eight, nine bass all day. Yeah. I don't care. There were three nine-pounders caught in a 45-minute stretch. Three nine-pounders. That's wow. that's that's what I – the best days I've ever had on the lake. And I'm not saying anything. They can do whatever they want to. I could care less. I mean, you, whatever – you know, what if that works for them, that's great. But my deal is, personally, it's my personal opinion, the best days I've ever had on the lake, one of the best days I can remember right now, I caught nine bass. Now, I'm not talking about nine bass during the tournament. I caught nine bass from the time, you know, morning till dark. So th- here's another deal. I won the the FLW East-West Fish-Off on Falcon. I was only catching, like, I think the first day I caught eight bass. I caught 110 pounds in three days. I only sure. caught eight bass the first day. I got 39, 40, and 39, something like that. Uh, you know what I mean? I didn't catch very many. I just caught great big ones, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. No. Um, I, you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't, I like to catch big bass. I, I love to deer hunt. I don't want to hunt. I don't want to go out there and kill 20 damn spikes. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I killed one buck this year, but it was a great big one. You know what I mean? Like, it made dog. And I hunted for months. <laughs> for one shot you, you know so i'm like but that's my personality it's like if we're gonna go out there and hunt sasquatch we don't want to kill no little bitty sasquatch we want a great big one just <laughs> one great big one you, you know those things that those are highlights hard to highlight something when you know what i mean like when it's too repetitive yeah you don't ever really have a highlight you, you miss the highlights the important notes yeah. Another thing, because I fish both formats, yeah, you know, it was competitive over whatever. But the deal is what I did realize about it is you never felt you never got that sense of accomplishment. 
Like when you put that big one in the well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll be honest with you about this. I like to show fish off. I like to hold them up at the end of the day and say, pat my chest and say, look at me. You know, I don't know. I'm There's a feeling. It doesn't. I mean, you still is. get to active. A three-pounder, you put a three-pounder in the boat, and you know you won the tournament. You're still going to get excited. But there's yeah, a I feeling. Mean, I, you just I see. Won. Go ahead. Yeah, so like, so I, like that that East West fish off deal. I caught the I set the all time record for four day at that time four days and three days at FLW. It didn't matter. I caught more weight in three days than anybody ever caught in four. But then I went on to win the Forestwood Cup at in Pittsburgh with the lowest winning weight it had ever taken, <laughs> like twenty four pounds over four days. I caught average. That was average because one day I caught twelve. So I average six pounds a day. So it's not about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about the highlight, highlighting the moment, you know? I don't know. I, it's, I'm a huge fan of bass fishing, and I've watched a lot of both sides. Yeah. But like that deal the other day, it was hard for me to watch. I mean, I'm just being honest. Nothing yeah. against those. A bunch of my friends over at Fish That Deal, you know? I, you, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of those guys I have a lot of respect for. It's nothing about that. I mean, they're hammer fishermen. I don't, nothing about that. But I was like, man, I'd turn it on and watch five minutes of it. And after that, I was like, yeah, that's boring. Turn it off. Yeah. And here's the whole deal about the front-facing sonar. It's hard to watch, but it's fun to do. You know, I spent the last couple of smallmouth tournaments last year using it. It's crazy. It's crazy watching those fish swim around and throwing to them, and they're biting and tricking them. You know, so that part of it, I don't have a problem with that. That's not what I have a problem with. That's not the part. That doesn't bother me. It's not real fun to watch, but it is fun to do. Anybody will tell you that, you know, from guys crappie fishing or whatever. When you can actually see those fish on the, uh, you know, see them on the screen and then, you know, being able to fish for them, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. And we've learned so much about a bass. Yeah. Like I've seen them do things on there that, it's almost like they're supernatural. I watched smallmouth last year at Champlain. I was looking, couldn't see anything. It's a bait ball five foot deep and 36 feet of water. And I'm, and I'm panning under them. I'm, you know, I'm looking for a bass swimming right underneath them. There's nothing. And all of a sudden, there were eight bass. I counted them. When the first one came off the bottom, which I could not see them, when the first one came off the bottom, it was like a train. And they go all the way to the top. Well, when they start doing that, of course, I cast. I catch one of them. But it was crazy to watch eight bass swim from the bottom in 36 foot and rush to a bait ball that was five foot deep. Like, who knew they could do that? There's never been any stuff. So we're we're the only – we're the National Geographic of bass fishing. You know what I mean? Bass yeah. anglers are. And so we we spent all this time in our career making – Basically, I say this a lot, educated guesses. Yep. You know what I mean? Trial and error, and then getting a feel for the weather change and what fish should be doing. And uh, and I've made a good living doing that blindly, being able to, you know, feel, make that change and go, oh, I need to be frog and I need to be buzz bait. You know what I mean? Making a move. There's a reason these fish left here or whatever. And, uh, but now, you know, being able to visually see them, it's pretty crazy. They are so much... Like now, I can put them on a higher pedestal than I ever have before. I always have put them on a pedestal like that, uh, and I, I even like 
it's deer and trail cameras. Like I've leave trail. I got trail cameras out now. I looked at them before you and I talked this afternoon. You know what I mean? Like, and I've learned so much because it's like peeking into their life. We've never been able to see that before. The only way we would ever be able to see, and we wouldn't, because then we, this is the other cool thing about it is that if we dive, if you put on a scuba gear and you dive down there, now they're not being natural. You can see them. Yeah. Okay. But they're not actually doing what they normally do because you're there, you know, you know, making their spidey senses go off. You know yeah. what I mean? So they're not acting the same. So that's the cool, that is probably the thing about the, the whole front face and sonar that I've probably liked the most about it. I could be honest with you. I don't even have to throw at them. I'm happy with just looking at them on the screen and watching them swim around and do what they do. You, you know, that's the cool thing, yeah. watching them react with bait and that whole deal. Again, now this will go back to as a competitor, am I crazy about it? No. As a bass fishing junkie, I'm all in. So would you like it to be would you like it to be gone? Like if 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 they if fast tomorrow said we're gonna have a vote and you guys are gonna decide, where does your vote lay? You know, that's that because of my so it's that double edged sword. The traditional bass fisherman in me who learned to fish with no electra, you know, I learned to bass fish or went bass fishing, you know, when we were sculling a boat around with a paddle with none of that stuff. So my love for bass fishing stems way past. I already had love for bass fishing before all the advancements and equipment. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like now we have power poles and I was my trolling motor sets in one place. I got a a trolling motor with no breath that like so my Lorenz goes to so like the most silent thing. Like it doesn't even make a sound. You know what I mean? So all that and those advancements have made me a better bass fisherman. Yeah. But I learned to bass fish before any of that. So can I go fishing without any of the stuff we have? Yes. Will I catch fish? Yes. Will I catch them better with all this stuff? Yes. But here's the other thing about that I asked you about. It kind of goes back to I don't have to catch them all. Yeah. You, you know, so that's kind of where I'm on the fence. And I'm not a uh, – I, I definitely don't consider myself a tree hugger. But I do consider myself a conservationist. And so some extent, there is that soft part of me on that says, man, I don't think we need to catch all of them. But that's just the soft side of me saying that. Is it hurting them to catch all of them? I don't know. Someone else will have to answer that question. But because I'm also a hunter, and I don't think we should be able to deer hunt year-round, I think it's nice that that season only lasts a few months out of the year and the rest of the year, they are not bothered because here's the thing you got to think about what we do. This is not like sticking ball sports or basketball or football or anything. We're using nature to make our living. Okay. So I have a soft spot for that. I have a soft spot for fish. I have a soft spot for you know, my, I love to duck hunt, you know, deer hunt, whatever. I, but I, I want it to be, I, I don't want to do anything that I feel like I'm abusing the resource. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so I, and I do know this for a fact, this is the other thing that I've learned since all this deal and all this is going to play out. You know what yeah. I mean? We're, it, 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 we're so 
new into this whole world of this technology that we don't nobody knows that's the reason i can't really have an opinion i have feelings so i'm giving you my feelings that my you know yeah i can't really have a true opinion of this but i do know to some extent that those fish have been living in a place and they never got bothered does that make sense yeah so there's always fish out there that are fresh you know one thing we are learning about it is there are a lot more fish out there than we knew about Indeed. Because there, there's still fish living in six inches of water that are always be up there in six inches. And then there's this group now that's swimming around out in the middle of the lake. Now we figured out that there are fish from the bank all the way across the lake to the other shoreline. <laughs> there's really no dead area. So, but with that being said, I'm like, you know, those fish out there, they weren't getting bothered. You know what I mean? It's kind of their off season when they're out there. So that's the only thing. You know, and I ask that more. I say that more as a as a question, as I do that that because I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, none of us do. So here's the deal: even all those biologists that you know go to school to study fish and all that, they didn't know either. No, like this front facing sonar has showed the whole world that there was another world that, that exists in fishing that none of us knew anything about. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that. But, you know, here's the deal. You hear them say that most of the world's ocean has not been explored. Yeah. Well, so much of the lake hadn't been explored, but it is being explored now. Yeah, and it's I I agree with you, though, from the competition side. There's part of me that's I'm like, it's never going to be. I don't care how many you catch and how big they are. It's never going to be watching Steve Kennedy catch an eight-pounder and a frog in Okeechobee last year. You know, it's never going to be that moment. But there's also part of me that's like, now that we're learning so much, like, can can we just go back to being like, oh, we don't know about, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to turn the switch off. So probably not as hard for me as it would be new guys getting in. Yeah. Because there's a whole, you know, I even said this with the group that made the elites last year. We won't really like the only thing that we don't see that that now here's the deal with that. There are no David Fritz in that group, no Denny Briars. Okay. All those guys were specialists. These but these guys are equally as good with their electronics. You know what I mean? I don't I don't want to say that in a negative way, but you know, this guy was so good with a jig, this guy was so good crank offshore cranking, you know, fishing schools. These the new group coming up is not gonna be that guy. Does that make sense? There's there's they're going they're trending in a different direction. But That's wasn't not that the way this there's not the way the sport is trending? The sport is trending towards the guys who are best with their electronics. Basically, that's the way it is. Oh, yeah. It, let's look at Vegeta. I mean, you know what I mean? He is a standout because he is so good with his electronics. A hundred percent. So that's the reason for me. Yeah, you can turn it off. It ain't gonna matter. If you turn it off, I'm still gonna be just as good as I was before this technology. But if you do turn it off, it's gonna affect the, the a whole generation coming. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. So here's the reason I can't tell you, oh, we should turn it off because I I it'll help me. But the whole deal with because <laughs> again. 
the one thing that we have been like in our sport that has been a problem is personal agenda. Okay. <laughs> so whatever we do in bass being the leader in this, whatever we do, whatever decisions we make, it needs to be what's best for the sport. Yeah. A hundred. And that's the reason I can't have an opinion and say, Oh yeah, we need to cut that off. Now, if it's going to hurt the sport, cut it off. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like ban it. If it's going to hurt our sport, you know, but here's the other thing you have to think about. I only fish the elites. Okay. There are restrictions in every sport at the professional level. Agree? Yeah. So you could make restrictions at the elites and not do it any other place. If these guys are so good, they're elites, right? Yeah. I mean, that's. But I can just go ahead and tell you without a shadow of a doubt Jason Christie is a better natural. Like Fajita will never be as as good as Jason Christie as in natural ability. But he cannot compete with Jason Christie in natural ability because he is because of the way the sports went. He doesn't. That's not his training. His natural ability is digital. He's you know that's what I mean. It. Like that's how. That's and that's, the and the and the reason for that is because when Jason Christie was coming along. He had to depend on his natural ability. Yeah. When Vegeta was coming along, if he was going to excel at the sport, he had to be better with his electronics. Yeah. And they're both equally as good, if that makes sense. Yeah. But totally different, you know? So yeah. it would, let me tell you this, if you do, if you only made that change at the very top of the sport, it would have a huge effect on who's coming from the bottom. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just throwing this i'm playing devil's advocate i no, don't no. care either way you know what i mean but but i'm just saying like here's the deal if this just hypothetically say that did happen at the elite level they're like oh we don't do this anymore you got a bunch of cats at the bottom scrambling <laughs> i mean you know what i mean like uh yeah it's uh so i don't know i don't you know what i mean i'm just throwing all this out there we just I think the most important thing you said, though, is you're just giving opinions. And everybody, like, there's a lot opinion. of people just... giving opinions that they think are yeah. facts. They're not. Like, none of us know the long term effects or anything. And I mean, I agree with you. As long as the decision is made the right thing for the sport, that's ultimately that's all that matters. And it has to be made through facts. It can't be just made through, we feel this way. I mean, yeah, because we don't like something. Yeah, You know, we, because I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure how Canada is because I don't keep up with y'all's politics. We don't but have politics. in our country, in our, in our country, it's like, well, if I don't like something, you know, it's, you need to change it. We yeah. don't work like that. You, you know what I mean? Things don't work like that. It, it just needs to be whatever's best for the sport of bass fishing in general. We don't want to lose. You know what I mean? Like, I think the sport of bass fishing is bigger right now. It's ever been. There are uh -huh. more high school, college, like just it's it's cool. You know what I mean? It's cool to be a bass fisherman right now. And so we're trending in the right direction as far as that goes. So whatever we do, and here's the deal. If if this is what all the generation coming behind, if that's what they want, that's fine. That that's what we need to do. We need to do whatever is gonna, you know, continue our sport. 
Yeah. I I think so. Let me ask you this to play devil's advocate. What's the difference between Curia Fujita, what he's doing, and what David Fritz did when he started? I mean, he was a master of a flasher. He could triangulate and you know what I mean? It wasn't as digitally dominated, but it was for its time. So he was still making educated guesses. Yeah. So there is no educated guess when you're looking at one swimming on a screen. Good All point. you got to do is figure out what he bites. Yeah. You don't hit. So here's the deal. This is what's changed. That natural ability is out the door. Yeah. You can forget everything you know about a bass. Don't worry about that. You can educated guesses. You, you got to, it's feeling the weather. The weather changed, the reason fish move. You got to know seasonally why they do what they do. But with this, that does take all of that out of play. So I will be honest with you about this. The last couple of days when I was filming the Protein Journal, I was in a, a couple situations where I could have turned it on and seen the fish, and I wouldn't. And I'll tell you, the only reason I didn't turn it on was I don't want to do anything to mess up what I do. There, we will have certain events this year where I know I have to use it, and I'll be all in. Okay, and it'll be on places where I don't understand the fish. But as long as I think I can understand them, I will just continue to do what I've been doing for the past 25 years because I'm good at it. Yeah. Like I know why a fish gets where I even called it on that show. I told him, I was like, when I catch the first female, I'll have found them. And and then when I caught the first one, it was one right after another. And I couldn't see anything. But I but I don't want to mess up my my mind. If that makes sense, that yeah. thing will mess up my mind because again, I already know this from other fishermen. You basically with it, forget everything you know about a bass, put the trolling motor down and just pan around till you see them. Yeah. Okay. So for 25 years, I made educated guesses. Like I'm like, and I'm a natural outdoorsman. It is what it is. I like, there are some people blessed with that. Like I can walk through the woods and say, I need to get up that tree right there and get up that tree and kill a deer out of it. Like, I just have that. I, I can't explain it. It's a God-given talent. And I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. I could care less what they do with electronics and the, all of this. You know what I mean? But I, me as a as me, just being me, I like using my senses. Yeah. And that's just me. And, you know, when I've made a living at it for 25 years doing that, so I don't want to. Like, I don't have anything against the other way. And then here's the deal. This is the other thing. Now guys have to make decisions. So when we go to Toledo Bend, and those guys watched all that footage from the other day, half of them get there. They got to make that decision. I'm going to fish or am I going to look? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which way I'm going to do that? Well, I don't fight that. I don't have any issues. I'm going to wait and see what the weather does. You know what I mean? Like what baits I use. I I know I'm going to fish that way. So I just, I don't want to mess that up. Yeah. I enjoy being able to go fishing and not really rely on any of that stuff to actually catch one. Yeah. So I have to fish more naturally. So I don't ever have to make that decision. Like I'll be honest with you. I can look at the whole schedule and I know the tournaments where I'll use it. Like I can already look at the schedule, you know, cause I, cause, and maybe it's my arrogance, but I'm like, I feel like I can compete without it. 
Like, I, they still haven't beat me bad enough yet to make me feel like – because even, like, last year, I never used it till we got to St. Clair. Yeah. And there were a bunch of them using it. Yeah. And uh, and there was one event last year that I felt I was around the fish to win, and it was not because of front-facing sonar is the reason I didn't. It was because I didn't make the right lure choice. I had it rigged up and just never picked it up on the last day. And so I'm like, that's 100% my fault. That had nothing to do with technology had nothing to do with anything so like i said i i just i'll roll with the punches yeah i think it's i i have not like i get hammered on this podcast in the comments pretty routinely because they're like pick a side why don't you and i really am like i'm literally like there's part of me that's like if if an announcement came out tomorrow and said no live technology anymore on the elite series I'd be cool with that. You know what I mean? But but that being said, there's also part of me that's like, we're learning so much. We are learning a lot. There is part of me that is like, man, it's just cool to watch them swim around. You know, anybody's been to Bass Pro Shops and seen them swimming in the aquarium. I can sit for hours and look at those giant yeah. fish just floating in there. You know what I mean? Because I'm a weirdo. But Dave, you're a weirdo. I'm one of them too. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So that's probably been the thing that I've enjoyed about it the most. It's not catching them with it. I was catching them before this thing came out, but the cool thing is just seeing them do what they do. Yeah. Like, I think that's the, that's the thing that's probably intrigued me the most about it. Uh, and again, I, I'm not going to abuse them with it. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't have a problem with that part of it. But like I said, like there's parts of me that are like, now these guys got to decide which way they're going to fish. Yeah. And I don't really have that problem, so that's one of the reasons. Hey, here's the deal. If there's any way possible I can catch them on a jig at Toledo, I don't care what they do. That's what You know what I mean? Like, that's the way my mind works. I'm like, what if I can go over and frog? Or what if I can go over and catch them on a jig? You know, what if, what if there's a chance of that? Well, there's no way I'm going to spend my time panning around out there in the opening, throwing something on a spinning pole when I can be freaking, you know, using that hammer I, that 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 thing will never take the place of that for me personally yeah you know so that's kind of you know whatever. i think a guy like kyoya is the exact opposite where he's like hey i don't gotta mess with frogs and jigs that's right i'm just so, gonna keep panning until i find him and when he does he makes the top 10 he did it five times last year four of those he didn't and he had some bad ones but those were the ones where it didn't play as much but look at this. I, I would have bet the farm on him when we were at Murray that he was going to win. Yeah. And a guy with a square bill and a, and a pair of sunglasses, Drew Benton, wins the tournament. Yeah. So, and and here here's the other cool thing. If we were doing that deal, every fish counts, I don't think you can beat it. No. Yeah, it's more of a player there. It more of a player there but as long as i only have to catch five it doesn't matter if it takes me eight hours to catch five yeah so that's the uh, that's where i'm at i'm like on our format hey you just have to make that decision you know yeah. i just i because i'm like and again maybe i'm arrogant but i think i can catch five before the day's over you know I think you can I, too. I don't, I yeah, don't think I you're mean, being arrogant. I, I, it's what you do. And I, I think that 
and there's a lot of great fishermen in our group before this that, I mean, I feel like there are going to be a lot of tournaments this year where, so here's the deal. When there are so many people doing any one technique, it will, it will be, it will make an impact during the event. Yeah. But I feel like how our tournaments will work out most of the year, there'll be five guys using it and five in the top 10, five guys, you'll just figure 50, 50. That I kind of feel like I just I kind of feel like that's the way it's going to be. I think the good I, until part about we it, get to the end, till we get to the end, it's a small amount. Yeah, field. like the last couple tournaments, there'll be ten guys using it. You know what I mean? But like our first seven events, fifty fifty. I think the one thing that is really good for you is it's not messing with your mind. Like there's guys on our tour that have. I mean, we'll see how the season goes, but there's guys that re I really feel that literally have changed everything the way they fish. Like it is an arms war to get as many different transducers and things on their boat. And, and they're, you know what I mean? Like it, I agree with you where you say, Hey, I don't want to use it all the time. And I don't, you know, like there's some people that got whooped last year and they're totally changing, but they were very successful for however many years. Um, so it's funny you say that, but Phoenix told me that they the only boat they rigged this year that had less than five units was mine. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I have four 12-inch screens on my boat. I'm like, I, I couldn't fish with more than that because they would be in my way. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm like, wow. And like, Because I, I asked them, I'm like, a lot of guys you're putting five units on, they're like, oh, no. They're like, everybody's. Gary's got six. <laughs> I'm like, I'm rolling away with four 12 inch screens. You know what I mean? I'm like, it seems like a lot. I mean, it seems like it should be enough, but it should be enough. You know, I didn't put trolling motors on my power poles. You know, I mean, I, I only got one trolling motor on my boat. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that old-fashioned weirdo over there with just one trolling motor and four grass. He's only got one trolling motor and four 12-inch. He's got four foot of screens on his boat. You know what I mean? I got four feet of screens on my boat. What's wrong with him? Uh, that, I mean, and my prediction on those bass breaks is that I mean, dude, we're, I bet you we start with five to ten guys with them, probably closer to five. But by, depending on how those five dudes do, halfway through, I mean, is it – you're a competitor. I, I I just yell your names. But is there – like, is it, a, is it guys needed or is it guys start to feel like, wait a second, he's got that and he's got that, so I need that. So I, I will be honest with you about this. I was surprised last year that um, I guess Takuitu and Vegeta both had those saltwater mm -hmm. transducers on their boat. And uh, and here is here was my deal with that because I, I worked for a different company. But I was like, I was surprised that other guys that worked for that same company that they did that they didn't have that. Now I will tell you this. I have the latest and greatest Laurent stuff. Yeah. And and it's great. 
And if there's anything out there that Lawrence offers, I'll have it on my boat. You know what I mean? So I was kind of surprised there were guys that, you know, if if your company offers that, you should have it. Does that make sense? Like I was kind of surprised about that. I got the best Phoenix boat, mate. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I got like my equipment is the best you can like. I don't feel like I'm getting beat because somebody else has better equipment than I do. But it was surprising that, like, guys, like, had the opportunity to have, different, you know, the same equipment and didn't have it. I'm like, why do you let these guys – like, so that's not going to happen. Does that make sense? Like, well, nobody that works for the companies that I have will have anything that I don't have. Yeah. Like, so that that was something that last year that did, uh, you know, that surprised me about some guys. I you asked know, the Johnson like, brothers about that, and they said that they didn't want them. Do you have the saltwater ones? They said we sell this in this market, so that like I'm sure they'll have them this year because everyone. But that's oh me. yeah, because I was like, <laughs> no. I was like, well, why don't you guys, you know, of all people, like if you work with that company, same company, why are you not getting? You know what I mean? It's not like I thought, I mean, you I'll work with Strike King; they thought... don't give different jigs to another person. Like, don't hear right. these jigs are for you, but everybody else gets a lower grade jig. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't understand that. Y you know what I mean? So I have the top of the line on the companies that I work for. I have the latest and greatest. So it surprised me that like certain guys would have something that other guys didn't. And I'd ask them like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, you didn't research that? So here's the deal that you, you have to give kudos to Taco Itu and Fajita on that. They researched it. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were ahead of the game because they researched the technology. Yeah. So I'm like. Takumi has sold us all, dude. And I feel fleeced by him, to be honest. Because <laughs> think about it. He just laughs and smiles. Like I'm doing live and I'm telling stories about him in Orange. When we were in Orange a few years ago because he threw a jig under a dock and he fished it back for 15 minutes. And I talked to him about that and he said, I grew up in Japan fishing from shore and I only get to fish this little area. So I'm telling all this story like I'm supposed to. No, that's all bullshit. It turns out he's been watching the fish. You know what I mean? Like nobody right. had caught on to how powerful the. I mean, right. it's easy to work a jig for 15 minutes under one dock if you're watching a fish, <laughs> you know, you're just shaking it at it. Um, so the crazy thing about the front face and sonar, it's been out for a long time. Yeah. A long time. But it's taken it, honestly, really last year before it really caught on. Yeah. Like it really, you know what I mean? Like, like it's really, so we'll be engulfed with it this year. Okay? Oh, yeah. But dang, it's been out for seven, eight, nine years. I don't know. It's not new. None of this is new, but all of a sudden it's like it is new now, you know, but it's not. I, I, that's blows me away that it never exploded. Like I've tried to figure out, like, was it the fact that they were doing commercials where they were dressing like bikers and kind of making it seem like, you know what I mean? Like they advertising nobody, but they were not I, even using it. Yeah. They, it was out there, but no one was using it. It's wild. Wow. But and here's the crazy thing about it. It wasn't even it wasn't just that in freshwater they weren't using it. They weren't using it. They just now figured out now they're tarping guides with it. You know what I mean? Like now they're using it in salt water and everything. They were not. So I can tell you so I know where it came from. 
So it's been, this is what's crazy. So it's been around for a long time. Like it's been around for 20 years, maybe even longer than that. So it was developed to put on large vessels that it could, because, you know, there's like a three second delay, let's just say on your 2D. Okay. So when you run, if you're running up in shallow water, you can run aground. Yeah. So it was developed to put on the back of large vessels so that you could see 150 foot out in front of you, shallow spots. So you could shut those, you had time to shut those large vessels down down before they ran aground. That's where it came from. And I, I'll be honest with you, the guy who founded it is Daryl Rollins. Like, he went there and saw it and said, y'all don't understand what you have. So the company that had it had no idea what it was. Wow. Like Daryl, Daryl's the one who tell, who told me the story. Like they had no idea. They'd been sitting on that technology for years and had no idea what it was in fishing. Yeah. It was a safety thing. You know, you know, they're putting on yachts and, you know, large boats. And so they could shine out there in front of them when they're running to keep from running the ground. It wasn't to find little green fish. Well, it is now, and it it definitely gets people wound up. But here's oh yeah, and it's not going anywhere. And I and here's my thing with it. This is the other side of me that thinks about this deal is that think about the advancements in fishing before this. Everything, ever our equipment, our boats are better than they've ever been before. Our sonars were better than they've been before. You know, whether it's side, 360, whatever you, you know, everything, our troll, again, we got brushless trolling motors, no cables. Trolling motors that hold you in a spot. In the same spot. They're 190 pound thrust lithium batteries that weigh seven pounds a piece. And that fish still has stayed one step ahead of us. So I I honestly feel, because I'm, again, because I'm biased to a bass. But I, I give them enough credit that I think that they're going to catch on to this pretty fast. Like, I think it will be, and I already hear about this in certain places, that when you shine them with it, they run. Yeah. Like, and I think, honestly, I think that'll happen. Will it happen in a year? Will it happen in two years? Will it happen in three? I, you know, and here's the other way that we educate bass, catch and release. Okay? Yeah. Now I don't see crappie get catching on to it because by the time they're they're already in the grease by the time they caught on to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with bass, you know, you you shine that fish, he bites, you release him. So they can't reason, but they do learn from their experiences. And when you've had a bad experience, <laughs> the next time you feel that thing shine, you don't even get a chance for some guy to that Sasquatch to drag you over the boat, over the side of the boat. You know what I mean? And I already hear about there are lakes in the country where it's been used a lot. The fish are already starting to learn that, you know, when you put it on them, they don't bite. And I, I kind of think that's what's going to happen, honestly. Uh, you know, and again, because I'm a hunter, I remember when the mojo duck came out and all these duck hunters like, oh, we got to ban it, you know, because the states need to ban it because we're going to kill all the ducks or whatever. And now if you turn one on, mallards will flare. You know, wow. they won't even come to it anymore. So I, I think, again, I think these bass will do the same thing. And 
uh, you know, I, I think it'll always be a tool. I just, I know right now it's probably the most powerful. I think it's my opinion. I just think it's the most powerful it'll ever be right now. And three years from now, we'll be talking about something else about the new frog itself. It's got to, you know, everything you know what I mean. goes like, with that pattern. Like literally, yeah, it, yeah. like you think about it, whether it's as simple as a lure, you know, like, I mean, when Lady Jigs came out, when the chatterbait came out, they, I mean, they would chew the paint off and they still do at times, but there's, it's not as effective as every single lure that comes like that. They, Educate and I themselves. think that'll be that'll be the deal. The so I the Hydraway. So I'll yeah. be honest with you. When the Hydraway came out, it was great. We'd go to the Tennessee River. I wouldn't use it, and the reason was everybody on the Tennessee. You know, we fished the Tennessee River a lot then. Kentucky Lake, Gunnersville. Everybody on the Tennessee River had it. I'll be honest with you. Van Dam was the best thing ever for it. He sold tons of them. Everybody had it. Then all of a sudden, if I went to a lake where I thought everybody was using it, I wouldn't use it. But I could turn it on here in the Blind River right below my house, and they would jump out of the water and start schooling. Because yeah. nobody had it but me. You know, so that's kind of the way I see this deal going. You slip, like, in a year or two from now, you slip off in a place where, like, like maybe a shallower lake, natural lake, where people don't use as much. It'll be like you, they've never seen a bait before. But when you go to a Gunnersville where everybody has it, we'll just use the Tennessee River, where probably one of the most pressured bodies of water, where everybody's shining them with it, it won't be that big a deal. They'll they'll catch on to it a lot faster. So I don't, I guess that's the reason I'm like, eh, let's just ride it out and see what happens. You know? Yeah. 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 I totally agree with you. I think that time will only tell. And I mean, they've adjusted to everything else. Everything. Every, out, like, you remember how everything. you used to be able to drop on every fish in the Great Lakes with 2D sonar and like literally 80% of them would eat it. And the 20 that didn't, usually you did something wrong. You know what I mean? Right. And now, unless other than a few select days, I mean, it's 20 to 30% that ever eat it. You know, they, they just. Well, you can't get over them. You know, I, I remember going to Table Rock and dropping on them, and it was cloudy. And I'd catch every one of them. And the instant the sun come out, the instant the boat, they would start, I would start to pick them up on my 2D, they'd swim off. Every one of them would do that. because, And I didn't know because I was like, everybody was dropping on them. Once everybody figured out you could catch them that way, that was the easiest. I'd just draw that worm underneath me and drop that drop shot down there and catch every one of them. But they caught on to that. <clears throat> well, now you can do that with the front-facing sonar. You know, he's out in front of you. But that transducer has to be doing something. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. They're, they feel they're it. Lateral, they're lateral. They feel it. And right now, it might be almost to the point where they're, like, curious because there's no, there's no reason that they should feel, you know, insecure because they feel it. But over time, much like 2D, It'll have that same effect. How can it not? I think, I think fish, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. If you're, I, I'm sure you've seen or watched some of it or whatever. Walking Dead, that show that was around about people. Oh, yeah. My kids like watched every every time I came home. The Walking Dead was on at my house. So you watch that, and I swear yes. to you, I'm I'm a few episodes in, and I'm like, they're bass. 
they're wild. Like all of a sudden they're like, like we live a life of comfort. You know what I mean? I think I'll have a drink. I think I'll go get something to eat. It's cold. I'll put a sweat, but they, in the walking dead, they, they literally have two things. One is I need to eat and survive. And the other is I need to make sure I'm not eating. And, and they're always super aware, but you know, and at the beginning, everybody, those zombies were plowing through people. They just be like, ah, I didn't know you were coming out of nowhere. But in time, the dumb ones got eaten <laughs> and, and people learned to survive. I think that's what wildlife, li- like you watch a deer. In yeah. The world, that's totally what they're doing. It, you know, they very rarely are just relaxed and grazing. They're always looking and do you Somebody's agree? always trying to eat me. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, I didn't even expect to talk about forward facing sonar very much. Every podcast, just so people oh, think yeah. this well, is for I clicks. Just, it's, it's, it's what we're hot. talking about now. Like if it, I called you the on the phone. thing in bass fishing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's probably had the most impact on our industry as anything that's ever come out. You, you know what I mean? Like it's. I mean, but it here's is what's what it weird. Is. All you, everything you look at, it's on there. Yeah, like you know, you know what I mean. You won't open up a a website or whatever that I mean. People are making baits that show up better on it. You know what I mean? Like, well, this bait was made just for you. You know, I mean, it's just it's the end thing right now. You know yeah. what? I mean, but again, it, it's one of those deals where you know what Mother Nature take it. What if it rains six inches? Every bush on the lake is flooded. I hope the hell everybody out there is alive. Open. I hope they're all out there doing it. <laughs> Wind. Wind's its nemesis too. Like I, yeah, I, I felt like, oh yeah. Dude, yeah. when we went up to Thousand Islands and I'm literally just going on a gut. But there were so many people cons- thought that that first day was going to get canceled. And I swear to you, I feel like there's a certain percentage of our field that rallies 75%. for events to be canceled now because their shtick don't work in that wind. Hey, that was the only reason they wanted to cancel it because they couldn't see. They knew it was going to mess up their opportunity. A hundred percent. I was like, a hundred percent. We can fish the entire river, but they didn't want to fish in the river. Uh Because when they're on the bottom, you can't see them. Let's call it an 18-inch void. When they suck down into that 18-inch void, they're invisible. It's like those fish I told you at Champlain. It came off the bottom. Man, I'm panning out there in the bottom as flat as a pancake. And all of a sudden, those bass just like they come out of the ground. It's what it looked like. It looked like they just come out of the ground, you know, and start up. Um, yeah, so that's when I'm like, they just didn't want, they, when it's windy, it's hard to do that. I'm like, there's 80 miles of river we could fish in, you know. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I hope the wind doesn't blow too bad at Toledo because it's a bad place. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's just bad. The navigation there is a, a really a problem if the wind blows. So I can't I can't say that I hope it blows there because it'll be bad on uh, it'll be bad on everybody there. Just navigation getting around. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no troughing waves when you got to stay in the boat lanes. Yeah, same thing at Fork. You know, yeah. Fork gets really really bad. It's not near as big, but it it's another one of those places that get really. Uh, you know, really bad with the wind. I mean, basically it's another place that a lot of, again, Toledo is so big that it has fish in it that have never been fished for before. 
I mean, Fork, on the other hand, is another one of those places that's highly pressured. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not a lot of real estate there that guys wouldn't look in, like guys that are there right now. So that's one of those places, again, it kind of goes back to the deal where I don't really worry about it. Yeah. We, we're going to enough places. I, I Honestly, Toledo could be. Think about this last year when uh, Joey wins at uh, Seminole. Yeah. Probably a place that really hadn't had a lot of that pressure yet. Probably had yeah. a lot of that pressure after we left. You know what I mean? Because it was a new. It was new. So it'll be new. Like I, I feel like the Toledo tournament could be much like Seminole in that. That's new there. That's a new technique. You know what I mean? For the yeah. majority, for the masses. You know, a lot of guys there probably just started doing that. Honestly, after watching the footage from a week ago. Yeah. You know, so that that's probably picking up there right now, but hadn't been. But Lake Fork probably goes down as one of the most pressured lakes in. Texas. They have a lot of big bass tournaments, a lot of events there. Fish get fished for a lot. It's a huge destination for tourists. So, a little different animal. You know what I mean? And the rest of our... So, after that, Grand Lake. Another one. Uh, not many boats put in at Grand Lake that don't have some type of forward facing zone. Yeah. You yeah. know? Like, so I look at all that stuff like before our season starts, like I'm looking at all those lakes. Like most of them are pretty traditional. I mean, we're going to see some frogging. We're going to see some buzz baiting this year, some sight fishing. You know what I mean? Like we're going to see some of that great footage that we're used to seeing on Bassmaster Live. Good. Without all this other stuff. Good. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good season and a, and a good, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be a fun season. Yeah. Uh, I don't think when we go to Florida, the weights will be as big as they have been in the past, just because we're kind of, you know, more post-spawn and spawn and pre-spawn like we have been before. But I think there'll be fun events, warm, fish will be biting. I, I see a topwater bait play in a lot of our events this year. So Really? We like that. Yeah. Topwaters I mean, I are good. Do. Topwaters are good. People so, will like that. Fun hey. stuff. Yeah, I, I see your cup is getting dry. I mean, you've been you've been hauling on that thing for the last twenty minutes, and I'm just you, hearing you did not. So it's the Mardi Gras. It's the Magellan Mardi Gras cup. You know, I would expect it, nothing less. Well, it is that time of the year. I'm not sure that y'all celebrate that. You know, I know I've told you this before, Dave, but like being in Canada has to be somewhat like living in that upstairs apartment. You know, upstairs apartment over a really good party going on. Yeah, and we're supposed well, to blow it out. You know, because the well, actually, the parade started last week. You know, next week's Fat, fat Tuesdays, Tuesdays. So it's do, good you, times do you go weekend. Mardi Gras? Uh, we're, so we're Mardi Gras in Baton Rouge and not, not going to New Orleans. You know, Julie's parents live in New Orleans. But, that's a, like, for my children, that's a little bit too much of a party, if you know what I mean. Like, now, I could take Corey Johnson there, and he'd fit right in. Yeah, but he might not get out. I mean, he <laughs> oh, he might just be right like, in. "What happened to that dude? It's gone." So let me ask you this: Don't like, aren't there a lot of French people in Canada? Yeah, no, it's more regional, similar to you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of French-speaking uh, people in Louisiana. Well, most of our French-speaking people are in Quebec, but there is like pockets northern Ontario and stuff. So it's the second language. So there is. 
I mean, Which we, like we, we do some part. As as, oh, yeah. 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 I'm kind of surprised y'all don't have a Mardi Gras. Well, we might now, just for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're missing out on a really good opportunity. We don't ever need much of an excuse to have a party. I, and see, you guys seem weird to me because they're, I love Louisiana. Some of my favorite people on earth are from Louisiana. I love the personality. I love the party and everything. But if you look at it like the northern states and Canada, that those are your drinking states. I mean, they're a lot, but, but it makes sense to me because it's cold. I mean, we got to pass the winter somehow. But, but you guys, hot, cold, it doesn't matter. You guys are part We just drink every day. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we create holidays so we can drink more. You know what I mean? Like we, about once a week, we have, a, there's a different holiday. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad times though, because we had a really bad drought last year and the, the crawfish numbers are low this year. Maybe so, that's because uh, you guys have been plowing through them for a couple no, of decades. Like we had some really bad weather uh, this past summer, had like a bad drought or whatever. It's crazy. Like 35 pounds of crawfish right now cost you $400 for Laos. $400 for 35 pounds. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So that And what would that have been our, previous to this? Uh, well, you could have bought them, like if you bought them in a basin, a dollar a pound, $35. Wow. For for live, $1.50 at the most for live crawfish. I mean, I could have bought them, boil crawfish, like bought them in a restaurant, four fifty five dollars a pound. Yeah, it's it's insane. Wow. So we're going to drink our way through it. <laughs> we'll get through it, Dave. <laughs> well, one thing about the fine people of Louisiana, they are a resilient bunch. I mean, you guys will will get through it. Yeah, we'll get through it. I have one more question for you. Okay. Um, and it's and it's not even a question for me. It's a question from our last guest. Um, and he sent it to me. Well, let me just see. Oh, I don't even want to ask this question. It's all I'm gonna ask a bonus question. So you know who this is from. Would you be willing to fish only in the new jockey underwear, which is sponsoring the Bassmaster Club? It's actually jockey outdoors, not just the underwear, but on Bass Live, like Matt Robertson did in his tidy whities. Guess who asked that question? I have no idea. Matt Robertson. <laughs> well, he's the only guy who has done that. Uh, so the difference between me and Matt, I would do it, but I would need to get paid to do it. Yeah. So he did it. He did it pro bono. Yeah. <laughs> no, no pun intended. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever slept in for takeoff or knowing anyone to sleep in for takeoff? No, I've never had a sick day in 25 years either. See, yeah, no, no. You're you're a professional. No. Yeah, huh. no. I, I don't I wouldn't tell you that I, I always get up the earliest, but yeah, no. I take that pretty so here's the deal. This is the way I look at it. We have nine weeks out of the year. I don't even count the classic. The classic is a bonus. Yeah. So I make my living in nine weeks out of fifty six. So those nine weeks, I'll be on, and I'm a little bit like, I hate it, but I feel like that's some of the reason it causes me to be intense. Does that make sense? Like, but I think you should I would be. be. Yeah, I know. But like, if I, if we were doing this, let's say 50 weeks out of the year, I don't think I would be near as intense, but I'm like, there is so much writing on those nine weeks out of the year that it, 
it just makes me really intense. Yeah. I like I, I'm like, I don't know if that's a good, I'm like, I just don't have any other way to be. You know what I mean? Like I can't not because nine weeks, like I've already, I've always said, I've told people that I'm like, you know what we do? This ain't no freaking game. This is serious. Nine weeks. Uh, for 25, it, for 20, that's the thing about Clint. I feel like I would implode over doing this for 50 years. Like, if this was my 50th season, or freaking have a gun to my throat. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Because uh, it is so intense. But all our guys are like that. Our whole group is intense like that. I don't know if, if they're, they're not, all like that. Yeah, if they're not, they don't last long. Well, like you I have to be. The nine-week conversation, literally, it's nine weeks. I've literally had that conversation with Corey Johnston and been like, dude, it is nine weeks a year. If you can just lock it down. <laughs> oh, from staying. So I will be honest with you. A couple times I've stayed around him. He's intense. Yeah, he is. Like, yeah, he's intense. Like, so the funny thing is, Chris, you you can't tell. He's so quiet. You yeah. Don't really, you, like, he, he may be even another level of intense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's like he don't say anything. No. He's definitely the quiet one out of the two. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely is. He definitely is. I was killer. I always ask Corey, I'm like, were the first four years you refer to the first four years of your life as the good old days before Chris was born? Because like, dude, <laughs> what a horrible little brother. I mean, he was better at hockey. <laughs> Pretty good fish. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, you know, that is like, so that, you know, that they, there's that brotherly love, they love one another, but that's, it's kind of a bad deal because of the intensity of this yeah. Bassmaster deal that we do. You, you know what I mean? Like, so here's the other problem with, like, I think about this sometimes. There are a lot of guys out there fishing that I could be really good friends with if it wasn't for our competition. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because we are such competitors, you know, and they're How cool do you separate guys. the two? Like, the, like, are you one of those dudes who's able to be like, okay, on the water, we're battling against each other, but if I see you at a restaurant, none of that happens? Oh, like no, no. Yeah, no, I, I, can, I can get along with everybody. Like, I can't get along with any of them on the water, but I can get along with all of them off the water. We, we have a good group. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like legit, they're a good group of guys. Yeah. Uh, now I wouldn't piss on them on the water, you know, but like, <laughs> as long as we're off the water, I'd hang out with all of them. They are good guys. <laughs> I think, I think your little side eye, which is all who you are. I mean, it is who you are, but dude, I think that this whole intimidation factor has been a very beneficial tool throughout your career oh, but I, I don't really come off like that you know what i mean like i don't try to intimidate anybody no but you know i mean i don't have that like i try not to do that so i i will be honest with you about this i fished the last open last year i think i'll ever fish and the deal is because i think i'm too intense and i and and, and i'll tell you the reason for this like a lot of those guys are not that intense does that make sense really and you can't have people that are you know, it's a large field, a lot of, you know, a lot of different guys, a lot of guys not fishing like the whole, you know, fishing, a lot of non-EQ guys, 
if that you know what I mean. Like yeah. your guys like jackpot and one because it's at their house, whatever you know that type of deal. And uh, I just like to at the last one last year, I'm like, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, because I'm used to being the. the I will tell you this: all the elite guys, they, the majority of them, move as professionals, do things as professionals understand that there's a short time period to get things done so they move different and a lot of them open guys they don't do that they just hey i'm fishing a bass master does that make sense totally i'm i'm getting to fish a bass master well i, I don't it like i'm like that too to some extent hey i'm getting to fish a bass master but I'm also like, hey, I'm here to make a living, <laughs> you know, so my intensity level. And, you know, I was like, I saw that at the last one I fished, and I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, I just, I don't need to be here. That makes sense, though, like in every yeah, other just, sport. Like if you talk to yeah. a college football player and say, what was the difference when you got to the NFL? They'll all say it was just this much, like it was just faster, you know, things. And yeah. I, I see you guys, the way you adjust and, I mean, dude, people are on their front deck before the boat comes off plane. Like, there is not a second wasted. It's no wasted time. That's none. right. Because here's the deal you have eight hours. Not only do you only have nine weeks out of the year to make a living, you only have eight hours a day. Yeah. yeah. And that's to get to and from and get the job done and get back. So, and I think this is the other deal. After doing it over a long period of time, that intensifies. Yeah. Maybe you feel like your clock's running out. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I'm not at the beginning of my career. I'm working on into my career. So I that maybe to some extent extent gives me a little more intensity. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and I just I was like, I need to be around my guys. Yeah. Know? Well, I'm glad you're one of our guys, and there's no time wasted on the Elite Series, but I, I appreciate you wasting a little time with me here tonight. It's always fun, Dave. I, I, I don't know that we were quite as laid back tonight as what I had planned on being. Oh, I'll boy. be honest with you, di diving into that front-facing sonar, was it was serious. It did you, get you know what serious. I mean? Like, Yeah, it did get serious. And uh, I was expecting this time we would be more – Ha ha ha! You know, telling fun stories, and you know, and we, and we got to talking about our damn job. You know what I mean? Like we were not. This was not supposed to go that way, but it did. You want to go make another drink, and we'll start part two. I mean, we can. <laughs> <but no. laughs> uh, just for the record, the guy I was talking about earlier, Cliff Prince. <laughs> just so you know, I don't always forget. <laughs> I'll remember when it comes time to introduce people, I hope. And that was in the event, like, and that was at St. John's? Yeah. Clum, yeah. He caught a giant bag, and he was throwing a whopper plopper or something. Yeah, but he wouldn't even have done that, you know, because he was catching fish after fish, fishing shell beds. I've seen Scroggins do it there, too. You know what? That's what I'm just saying. That's what the conversation about. Oh, there's yeah. There's things you guys yeah. do for the five one fish that you wouldn't do i mean if you're catching three pounder after three pounder why not just keep reeling them in and it but, does seem like when you're fishing for bites you they you still catch a random big one but you don't catch stringers of them okay and i that i probably even learned that even more about what went on a week or so ago because i'm like they're on probably like a lake that literally has 13 to 15 pounders in it. And there were, there was one double digit fish caught 
the whole week and it was by a guy that was fishing. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, Cajun really, baby. y'all? Wasn't exactly. Yeah, 11. Yeah. Caught 11 pounder and he's, and he's fishing. Traditionally, fishing produces the biggest fish caught. So here's the deal. Think about this. If I go to Toledo Bend, travel there as a tourist, I want to go there. And you only catch one. It's 11 pounder. Did it make the trip? <laughs> Hell yeah, it did. <laughs> Again, just think about this. You've never went to anybody's house and they had a wall full of spikes. Yeah. Remember I said that. Oh, they got spikes, full points, mounted <laughs> everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm like, come on, dude. Would you go home <laughs> we, and we trophy hunters, man? It's like we hunting blue trophies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, <laughs> you go post, in, man's got a. You go post ahead. a picture of an eleven pounder on any of your social media. Nobody says, "Well, how many did you catch?" <laughs> no, they're just like, "Dang, tell me about that." Yeah, tell me about that. You know, because that's a fish of a lifetime. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the only. Uh, I don't know. We're going to go to Toledo Bend in a week, and we're going to have fish of a lifetime. Greg, we need to do this more. I, I mean, I'm all for the loose show. Let's have a Mardi Gras special. I mean, even though it won't be Mardi Gras, let, a month or two months from now, we'll have a, our own Mardi Gras special. So here's what we should do. Let's get a, let's have a couple tournaments get by. Yeah. And then we'll discuss what happens. Sounds like a plan. Sounds good to me. The one and only Greg Hackney. Thank you. There you have it, Greg Hackney. And I thank him for a very real and candid conversation. I think what came from that conversation is it's like every phone call that I have with anglers in the last few months. I mean, people think, oh, you're talking about forward-facing sonar for clicks or to get traffic. Trust me, it's the last thing I want to debate or talk about anymore. But that's how every phone call goes. When you've got someone on the phone and you're talking about whatever, whatever pro angler, within 10 minutes, it gets going that direction and, and you get stuck there. It's a big deal in our sport. So it'll be interesting to follow the story of that. And I do agree with Hackney. We will definitely have him back on and we will have a Mardi Gras special as, as we chatted about. But don't forget, Hashtag rock on Mercer. Let's make it happen. I mean, he truly is the perfect guest for this show. I mean, I have been a wrestling geek from the get-go. In a fishing freak from birth. I think rock fits right in here. I think rock is the perfect guest. Let's make it happen. Hashtag rock on Mercer. Tag him. Show him love. Tell him about it. Let's see if we can make this happen. But I thank you for tuning in as I do week after week. If you're at any of the Texas events, if you're at Toledo Bend, if you're at Lake Fork and you are a humper, holler at me. Come say hello. Introduce yourself to me. I'd love to meet each and every one of you folks. And um, we got another great show next week. And who knows? Maybe it'll be the week The Rock shows up. Hashtag Rock on Mercer. Let's make it happen. And uh, go out there, be a good human being, smile at somebody, you can change their day, you can change their life. And as always, enjoy being, and hey, Bob Cobb, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, 
and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?